Welcome to the Holistic Work Podcast. I'm Flip Brown, your host and founder of Business Culture Consultants. The mission of this podcast is to bring together individuals who want work to work well, who strive for a balanced and resilient lifestyle, and who have a commitment to social, economic, climate, and racial justice. Feel free to check out the whole series, along with other resources, at businesscultureconsultants.com. Thanks for finding your way here. This episode is titled, Help! I Need Somebody, Not Just Anybody. Well, you know where I got that from. There are times in our professional and personal lives where we're stretched too thin, we're stressed out, we're confused, we're stuck, we're anxious, we're depressed, the list goes on. I myself have been through virtually, well, no, not virtually, all of the categories I just explained. And so when we get to that point, what do we do? Well, in our Western tradition, and particularly if you're identified as male, you got the message of tough it out. Or uh, perhaps you got the message of well, there's something wrong with you if you can't figure this out. And there's also, there's also the belief that, well, it'll go away. I, I don't need to do anything about it. And all of those things may be true and useful at times. However, there does come a point where connecting with another human being who can be of service to us, who can give us a different perspective, a different way to frame a situation, some additional tips, tools, and techniques, or to simply listen and be present with empathy and compassion can make a tremendous difference in our work and in our life. I have been attracted to this field in part because I have had situations, particularly as a pretty angst-filled, anxious, uh, confused adolescent, um, and then at various points in my adult life, where having someone who could point the way, who could offer wisdom, who could be someone who could see within me what I couldn't see in myself, it has just been invaluable. And I like to tell the story that when I was in the ski industry and the substance abuse was rampant in those days, we're talking late 80s, I had an unlimited expense account, picked up a bar tab and Stowe, Vermont, one time for $2,800, turned it in, no questions asked. Uh, I was putting on a buzz every single day. Well, the incident that knocked me out of orbit was the tragic death of my brother-in-law in a terrorist bombing. And when that happened, I was 35 at the time, it, it just made me wonder, what is the meaning of life? What is my work? What's the depth of my relationships? What does it mean to live and to die? As part of the after effects of that shock and grief, 
I knew that I had to leave the ski industry, and I knew I would never reach my full potential unless I stopped my substance abuse. So I don't know, a switch just flipped inside and I quit. But I thought, you know, there's patterns associated with this that I need to learn more about. And I certainly don't want to go back into uh, using substances, alcohol and drugs. So I went to talk to someone. It turned out to be a really good counselor. And it was amazing to me that this person had a job to motivate human behavior change. I had never, I knew that this existed, but I had never experienced it. So needless to say, I went back to school after leaving the ski business and actually got a master's degree in counseling psychology, went to work in a community mental health center, eventually earned the Vermont master's level independent psychologist license and have continued to see myself as a helper even though at this point I don't offer psychological services or psychotherapy. So I'm fascinated about the difference between friend, peer, mentor, coach, and counselor. Friends are great. I have some that if the phone rang at 3 o'clock in the morning, I would not hesitate to answer the phone. If they needed me to come where they were, even if I had to get on an airplane, I have friends at that level. It's interesting how with certain friends, we're more comfortable talking about certain topics. But the idea is that it is a reciprocal relationship where we have a genuine interest in the other person's well-being and there is some mutuality. When I think of peer, I think of someone who generally identify through work or similar interests. So, for example, the guys in my rock and roll band are both friends and peers. Uh, they're certainly not coaches or counselors, but having peers in the workplace is very important, particularly having peers outside of the company that you work in, because they will have both empathy for your current situation and they will also have a different perspective based on their setting and their experience. Peers generally are not someone who we take our most profound or, or our deepest personal issues to. Peers are people that we talk about what works and what doesn't work and peers can also be, like friends, helpful in terms of venting. Now, I always do make a distinction with the people I work with between venting and complaining. Because venting means that once the steam has escaped, there's no residue and there's no need to necessarily do anything different. Complaining, on the other hand, has the risk of becoming chronic, both about the current situation at hand or just as a way of being. We don't really like to hang out with complainers all the time. And a complaint is basically saying, I don't like this, I don't feel good about it, and there's nothing I can do about it. It's this other person or other entity or someone else is, quote, making me feel this way even though that's one of the most inaccurate phrases in the English language because 
No one can make us feel anything. We are responsible for our own emotional uh, reactions and responses. Peers are important because it reduces the loneliness of whatever position we have at work. Mentors are people who impart wisdom to us, in my experience. And what's cool these days, of course, it used to be that mentorship was primarily a function of an age differential. However, today, I'm delighted that I am mentored by people who may be half my age, and they may be mentoring me around certain aspects of technology. They may be mentoring me about, they may help me go deeper in terms of racial justice, economic and gender equity, and workplace inclusion. So a mentor is someone who gives freely without any expectation of return. It's generally the mentor imparts upon the mentee. And the mentor also has a sense of what I would call healthy detachment in terms of if the guidance or experience sharing doesn't work for the recipient, well, the mentor did the best that they could. And it was offered in a spirit of selflessness because mentors with egos, ew, uh, we have some other name for those, although I can't think of it in the moment. It is also rewarding when people look to us as mentors because it provides an opportunity for us to help another human being. The whole field of coaching and what it means to be a coach has certainly exploded in the last 20 years. There are business coaches, executive coaches, life coaches, uh, many different categories. In a way that I think has some real pluses and minuses, there are varying degrees of accreditation and professional identity in the coaching profession. So even though I am not a credentialed coach, by virtue of the fact that I have been trained in, I have been trained in patterns of cognition and behavior, I understand a fair amount about how people show up in the workplace, and I can adapt some of the techniques of what we would call the psychotherapy process to coaching without doing therapy. I consider myself to be a qualified coach and, in fact, have been doing that for over 20 years. Coaching is, to me, defined as someone who has some level of professional expertise and experience that in a business relationship, since we typically don't pay mentors, peers, or friends, our coaches we engage with so that we have clear goals, clear boundaries, a definition of expected value for the person receiving the coaching and for the coach who is getting compensated. These are business uh, relationships, unless we're in the field of sports, but we're talking here about work. And then finally, the category of counselor. I like the metaphor for both mental health and physical health, that in physical health, 
if your body isn't functioning well, it's been injured, then you go to a physical therapist to help you restore yourself to full functioning. But if you want to start from a good place and improve your performance or your fitness in specific ways, you work with a personal trainer who is also, in this example, a coach. The same is true with mental health. If you have certain patterns of not functioning well because either you have unresolved psychological issues or there's been some sort of trauma that hasn't been fully worked through, then at times it may be difficult to reach your full potential in the workplace and in interpersonal relationships without understanding how to restore your full psychological functioning. It's interesting that in Greek mythology, psyche was a synonym for soul. And so another way of looking at psychology is soulology. The stigma that still exists around seeing a counselor is real. I remember when I was the executive director of the Employee Assistance Program at our local community mental health center, and I would go into the workplace to talk about our services, which consisted of immediate access and short-term counseling for any individual or organizational stress factor. And I would ask people, if you were born in Vermont, if you didn't hear this statement growing up, I have to give you a small prize. If you grew up somewhere else, like when I grew up in Michigan, there was uh, an equivalent. But the statement here in Vermont was, if you don't stop acting crazy, they're going to send you to Waterbury. Because Waterbury was where the state mental hospital was, where they literally locked people up who they deemed to be insane. Now, there's a whole uh, inhuman history of, of how we dealt with that. But that stigma still can exist in terms of, I don't want someone to think I'm crazy. I don't want to be involuntarily committed, even though it's completely irrational. You know, people will think that I don't have it together if I go see a, a therapist or a counselor. Virtually all of the successful business people that I know and have worked with have gone through some period of therapy. And the reason for that is because it helps us sort out what was originally put in there in our family of origin about the models that we saw, the patterns of communication, emotional sharing, how we dealt with dynamics around power and decision-making and gender and sexuality. There's a lot of stuff in there. And if you haven't unpacked it and it comes out and gets projected in unconscious ways, mm, some yucky things can happen. Not always, but uh, it's good to at least see what may be unexamined. The idea that there is a spectrum of helpers out there and using your intuition, using the ability to ask good questions, to obtain references, hopefully you can find someone who can be a rocket booster to your full integration and success. Those folks want to help. They can help. I wouldn't be where I am today without their help. And it is a great pleasure and privilege to be able to, at times, help others at this point in my life. 
This concludes another episode of the Holistic Work podcast series. If you're interested in this and other archived podcasts, they are available wherever you get your podcasts or at businesscultureconsultants.com. You're also welcome to email me at flip.brown at icloud.com. This has been a production of Business Culture Consultants at Star Farm Studios in Burlington, Vermont. And thanks for tuning in. I'm Flip Brown, and may your awesome potential continue to unfold at work, in your life, and through your positive contributions to the world. Until the next time we cast another pod, be safe and strong.